Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you out there are being safe. I hope all of you out there are continuing to socially distance yourselves and wear your mask, regardless of whether you're vaccinated or not. I just want all of you out there to be smart and be safe and don't be stupid. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Super NFL Wildcard Weekend took place this past weekend. Coming up this weekend, starting tomorrow afternoon at 4.30, is NFL Divisional Playoff Weekend, starting with the Tennessee Titans taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. But let's backtrack for a second. For a second. Let's go back to, to NFL Wildcard Weekend. The Cincinnati Bengals win their first playoff game in 31 years by knocking off the Las Vegas Raiders 26-19. In my opinion in this game, it just simply came down to this. Cincinnati's offense, just it, 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 it just has too many weapons. It just has too many damn weapons. And at times, it just looked, their offense just looked unstoppable. There were some clunky moments in there. There were moments where the Bengals' offense kind of stubbed their toe a little bit. But for the most part, Cincinnati's offense, just like Kansas City's offense, just like the Rams' offense, just looked unstoppable. And there were times where when you watched the Raiders, whenever they felt like they would be able to get their offense going, then all of a sudden they would go from taking three steps forward, getting a, getting a, getting a couple first downs, to taking two steps back, getting a holding penalty, getting a false start penalty, illegal man downfield, or an offensive pass interference penalty where somebody, or excuse me, where a receiver is supposed to be acting like he's running a route, but he actually just runs into the he actually just runs into the DB. It was always something. Whenever the Raiders got something going on offense and they got momentum, they would always shoot themselves in the foot with penalties. And when they actually and when they actually had a chance to put the game to to tie the game late, they ended up coming up short. But I'm going to say this very very quickly about Rich Bisaccia. In my opinion, Mark Davis needs to take the interim tag off of Rich Basaccia and give him the head coaching job. When you go through as much dysfunction as the Raiders did this this season, and you are interim head coach and you lead the Raiders to the playoffs, and you are one and you and you are within one possession of getting to the playoff of, of winning a playoff game, then in my opinion, this is just me. Rich Basaccia deserves that job. That's just that's just my opinion. Next up, the Buffalo Bills just absolutely smashed and smashed the New England Patriots. And I'm going to talk about Josh Allen a little bit later on in the show. It's just as simple as this: when you go, when you, when you're the first offense in NFL history to put up a touchdown on seven straight possessions, you are just absolute. You are absolutely on fire at that point, and it's just that simple. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers smashed the Philadelphia Eagles 31 to 15 in Jalen in Jalen Hurts' first ever playoff appearance. I'm gonna say this really, really quickly about Jalen Hurts. There are two things that really, really bothered me about this game. Number one, Jalen Hurts locked in on Dallas Goddard too many damn times in this game. He locked in on him too much. And that really, really bothered me in this game. As a rookie, yes, I get it. He's a rookie. This is his first year starting in the NFL. But no matter what level of football you're playing, high school, college, or pro, 
You cannot lock in on one target. You have to go through your reads. And whenever Jalen Hurts needed a big play, more times than not, he didn't go to Devontae Smith. He did not go to Quez Watkins. He did not go to Jalen Rager, which, by the way, Eagles fans, if you haven't realized this, you probably already have, but if you didn't, I'm going to tell you anyway. Jalen Rager, if he doesn't get it together, he's turning into he's turning into Nelson Aguilar. It's just that simple. But bottom line is this with Jalen Hurts. You cannot lock in on one receiver. But at the end of the day, Jalen is going to realize that. Jalen is going to recognize that, and he's going to make the appropriate adjustments to get better at that. And I'm pretty sure he's going to come back during the offseason. He's going to get better at, at progressing through his reads and not so much focusing on one receiver. And here's another thing that really, really bothered me about this Eagles game. The offensive coaching staff, when Tampa Bay Buccaneers cornerbacks Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis were playing 10 to 15 yards off of off of Philly's receivers, and they did this for about 75 to 80% of this game. When they were playing off of off of Jalen Rager and off of Devontae Smith 10 to 15 yards, Philadelphia's coaching staff just absolutely refused to make any adjustments. But they did make one adjustment, but you know what that adjustment was? Running screen, uh, thro- throwing screen passes on third and six and third and seven. When Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean were literally daring you to throw it underneath because they were playing so far off of you. And that's a failure. That's a failure with the offensive coaching staff to make the appropriate adjustments. But Philadelphia will get better with that, and I'm pretty sure they will come back better and learn from that uh, and learn from that going into next season. The San Francisco 49ers knock off the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas 23-17. I'm going to just be honest about this. I'm not surprised one damn bit that Dallas lost this game the way that they did. As talented as they are, San Francisco absolutely dominated this game from the beginning to the end. The only reason Dallas was still even in this game to begin, well, the only reason, excuse me, why Dallas even made this game competitive toward the end was was because Jimmy Garoppolo threw just a just threw a head scratching interception. But I want to talk about Debo Samuel really, really quickly. Debo Samuel, to me. I'm going to just be real about this. Debo Samuel is out here snatching chains and, and, and just making offenses look stupid. Okay. Debo Samuel, I can really make the argument that he is literally one of the best receivers and most versatile receivers in the league. It's just that simple. He is physical as all hell. You can put him in the backfield. You can put him in the slot. You can throw, you can throw half back tosses out to him. You can, you can run them on end arounds. You can run them on screens. Hell, if San Francisco really, really wanted to get creative with Debo, and it wouldn't surprise me if they do this against Green Bay, it would not surprise me if they put Debo in the backfield at a wildcat position. It would not surprise me if they do that with him. Debo Samuel is that damn good. He is that damn talented. He fits the San Francisco 49ers, he fits Kyle Shanahan's scheme perfectly. And Debo Samuel is one of the best receivers in the league. He's not only one of the best and most versatile receivers in the league, but he, in my opinion, I can make the argument, he's probably one of the top five overall offensive weapons in the National Football League. And I love watching this dude play. He is immediately he is immediately becoming one of my favorite receivers in the league to watch. And 
I just I love watching San Francisco, man. I love watching them. Outside of the outside of the Titans and the Baltimore Ravens, the San Francisco 49ers, those three teams, the Ravens, Titans, and 49ers, are the, are the three most physical teams in the NFL, in my opinion. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas, the Kansas City Chiefs knock off the Pittsburgh Steelers 42-21. to They absolutely dominated this game. They, they kicked Pittsburgh's ass, and it wasn't even close. Pittsburgh had a glimmer of hope when T.J. Watt ran back that fumble recovery for a touchdown. After that, Kansas City was just like, okay, you know what, enough of this. And they just absolutely destroyed and, and just avalanched Pittsburgh, ending, big, ending Ben Roethlisberger's career. And we all know Ben Roethlisberger is going to go is going to go through the prototypical, I'm going to spend time with my family, I'm going to talk it over with my family, blase, 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 blase. We all know Big Ben retiring. That's like, we literally, we all know he's walking away from the game. We could see it. It's coming. It's just a matter, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when with him. And lastly, the Los Angeles Rams smashed the Arizona Cardinals and Kyler Murray's first ever playoff appearance. 34 to 11 on 34 to 11 on on Monday Night Football to end Wild Card Weekend. Bottom line is this: with Kyler Murray and the Rams, it just looked like Kyler Murray was just so overwhelmed in this football game. It it, it literally looked like Kyler Murray was just absolutely overwhelmed by that Rams defense, and he was just overwhelmed by the moment. I have not seen. I have not seen the kind of mistake that Kyler Murray made. As far as when he threw that inter- when he threw that pick six, it was it was one of the most horrible pick sixes I've ever seen in my I've ever seen. That pick six reminded me of Matthew Stafford's pick six on Sunday Night Football earlier on in the season, around the first half of the season, when Matthew Stafford tried to throw it out of the end zone and Kevin Byard picked it off and ran it back for a touchdown. But then that but then that pick six also reminded me of the pick six that Carson Wentz threw against the Tennessee Titans. And I, I, I mean, just bottom line, Kyler Murray just looked absolutely overwhelmed and I'm not surprised by it but they didn't have DeAndre Hopkins and I understand that and I get it but one guy should not make that big of a difference in your offense he should not make that big of a difference in your offense and DeAndre Hopkins makes that much of a difference for that Cardinals for that Cardinals football team more so the offense but with that being said, bottom line is this, man. Bottom line is this. It's just this simple. The one thing that I take away from Wild Card Weekend is that when you're going up against offenses like the Rams, the Chiefs, or the Bengals, you can't just have one good corner. You got to have two to three good corners on your defense in order to stop or even slow down these offenses. If you don't have that, if you do not have that, you better have a damn good pass rush. You know, and, I, and when I say that, I mean you better have a damn good pass rush like the 49ers have. You better have a damn good pass rush like the Tennessee Titans have in order to make up for the fact that you have maybe one elite corner 
to try to contain an offense like a Kansas City or like a Cincinnati or like a Los Angeles Rams. But those are my takeaways from from Super NFL Wildcard Weekend. Coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you guys why Bills quarterback Josh Allen is becoming more and more is becoming more and more dangerous as a franchise quarterback after the Bills blowout went over the Patriots. That's coming up. Stay tuned. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. I want to talk about Josh Allen really, really quickly. Um, as we all know, Josh Allen is a freak of nature. And, you know, 6'5", 230, 240, 250. And to me, he is this generation's Ben Roethlisberger. What do I mean by that? He has a cannon for an arm. And just like Big Ben, what can Josh Allen do that Big Ben could do at the prime of his career? When you have, uh, when you got a linebacker coming at you, when you got a, when you got a 270, 260 pound defensive end coming at you, you, it literally takes about three to four guys to get him down. That's what Josh Allen is. And when you get that, when you get those guys off of you, what could Big what could Big Big Ben do? Sling it down the field 50, 60 yards. What can Josh Allen do when he gets those guys off of him? Throw it 50, 60 yards down the field. But here's the biggest difference between Josh Allen and Big Ben. Josh Allen is way more athletic than Big Ben, and in my opinion, he has a stronger arm than Big Ben. But with that being said, Josh Allen proved in this game against the Patriots, if, if that if you need him to use his legs, he can use his legs. If you need him to throw in the flat and, and, and if you need him to take the check down, he'll take it. If you need him to throw the intermediate routes, 10 to 15 yard in route, 10 to 15 yard out route, he can do it. If you need him to throw the 10 to 15 yard curl route, he can do it. If you need if you need him to throw the 50 yard bomb down the field or down the seam or down the sideline, Josh Allen can do it. He he proved he proved all of those things in this one in this game against the Patriots without making a single mistake. Josh Allen is becoming one he, he is literally becoming one of he's he's literally becoming one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's been that for the last I'd say season and a half now, or the last two and a half seasons. More so, the last season and a half, you're really starting to see it, and you're really starting to see how even more dangerous he's becoming because of the um, because of the array of weapons around him with Stephon Diggs, with Cole Beasley, with Gabriel Davis with Emmanuel Sanders, with Dawson Knox. And to, 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 to further my point even more, let's go back really quickly to his passing numbers leading all the way up to this year and his rushing numbers leading all the way up to this year. His rookie year in the league, 2008, 2018, he threw for 2,074 yards, 10 touchdowns, 12 picks. He struggled a lot that year. 2019, he threw for three thousand. He threw for three thousand eighty-nine yards, twenty touchdown passes, nine picks. That was the year that that the Buffalo Bills made the playoffs, and Josh Allen had the infamous flipping the ball while being tackled out of bounds, flipping the ball in the air and almost getting it picked off. But and then also Buffalo was up eighteen nothing in that game. Obviously, as we all know, Buffalo blew that lead 
the Texans went on to win that game. Then fast forward to 2020. Josh Allen threw for 4,544 uh, 4, yards, excuse me, 37 touchdowns, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks, and he was in the MVP conversation status. Then fast forward to this year, 4,407 yards, 36 touchdown passes, 15 picks. Now let's go to his rushing numbers. 2018, 89 rushes for 631 yards, 8 rushing touchdowns. 2019, 109 carries, 510 yards, 9 rushing touchdowns. 2020, last year, 102 carries, 421 yards, 8 rushing touchdowns. And this year, 122 carries, 763 rushing yards, and 6 touchdowns. Now, Josh Allen has had some clunkers, okay? He's had some clunkers, and obviously you guys know what those clunkers are. I just mentioned one of them. Against the Houston Texans, driving down the field in the playoffs, instead of him taking the L and flipping the ball and, and, and getting sacked and taking the L, he, try, he tries to do too much, flips the ball back in bounds, and literally almost throws a pick. Fast forward to 2020, going up against Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts literally almost stole this game. Why? Because Josh Allen, because Josh Allen got strip-sacked Toward the end of the game, Indianapolis almost recovers the fumble. Buffalo recovers it, but ends up ultimately getting away and winning the game. Then fast forward to this year. Okay, fast forward to this year. He has a he he has a clunker he has a clunker of a performance against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Struggles against them, and then also he throws three interceptions against Atlanta. But Buffalo ends up winning that game. And then, you know, so if you really think about it and you really pay attention, if you take those clunker moments out with Josh Allen, and I'm not saying that Josh Allen has to play the way that he played against the 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 New England Patriots. I'm not saying that he has to play that way for the majority of his career. But if Josh Allen just stops trying to do so much, and just plays within himself, you'll get those kinds of performances with Josh Allen that you got with him against New England. And me personally, and this is just me, I'm going to say it right here, right now. In my opinion, and this is just me, Debo Samuel, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Allen are probably three of the top, maybe five most dangerous weapons in the NFL, as far as the offensive side of the football goes, that's just that's just my thought on that. But like I said before, if you take those clunkers out with Josh Allen, if you take those clunker moments out with him, or you take those head scratching performances as far as as far as as far as games in their totality with Josh Allen, whether it be against Jacksonville or against Atlanta, then you're going to get those kinds of those those consistent performances with with Josh Allen moving forward. And he's that damn scary and it would not surprise me one damn bit if within the next 2 years Josh Allen wins NFL MVP. Wouldn't surprise me because he's that damn gifted and he's that damn good. But next up ladies and gentlemen very very quickly I want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and then I'm going to get to my NFL playoff divisional game predictions for this coming weekend. I want to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs very very quickly. 
as we all know, in my opinion, and this is just me, the Kansas City Chiefs are the Golden State Warriors of the NFL. At times, it's just almost, it literally, it's just almost impossible to defend them. And as we all know, in my opinion, and this is just me, Patrick Mahomes is Steph Curry. What have, what have teams done this season? What have opposing teams' defenses done this season to try to contain or even stop the Kansas City Chiefs? Opposing teams' defenses said, okay, Kansas City, we're going to back our secondary up and we're going to make you go 12, 13, 14, 15 plays. Because we know at some point Patrick Mahomes, just like if you watch Steph Curry, Patrick Mahomes is reckless with the, with the football. If you watch Steph Curry and you watch the Warriors at times, Steph Curry is reckless with the basketball a little bit. He, 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 he's a little bit of a turnover machine. But, and, and, and so Kansas City started to struggle a little bit because of how impatient they were with teams back with teams backing their secondaries up and making them go 12 13 14 15 plays. But but if you fast forward, Kansas City started to finally figure out, okay, you know what? We have to exercise patience now. We got to be patient. So with Kansas City now being as patient as they are, and them still being able to drive down the field and put up 30, 35, 40 points, that makes them even more scary of an offense because you have a Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, a Tyreek Hill, a Travis Kelsey, a Nicole Hardman, a Byron Pringle. With this offense being as, being as stacked in weapons as they are, you combine their patience now with their creativity and their ability to still be able to put up 35 40 points it almost makes them it almost makes them impossible to defend now because teams because opposing teams are forcing them to be patient they're accepting that role of being patient on offense and now you still can't stop them so you had the quick strike capability with Kansas City in the first 2 to 3 years with Patrick Mahomes quick strike quick strike quick strike now you're seeing the patient Kansas City Chiefs offense. You're seeing them be patient. You're seeing them take their time. And while they're taking their time going downfield 12, 13, 14, 15 plays, you're seeing them be more creative while they're being patient. And I'm pretty sure now that's pissing a lot of teams off because it's like now how in the hell do we stop this offense? How in the hell do we stop them? And that's why I say now and for the remainder of Patrick Mahomes' time in Kansas City, it's going to be almost damn near impossible to defend them because of how patient they are on offense. Unless you have a really, 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 really good defensive game plan and a very, very smart, savvy, veteran defensive coordinator who's been in the league for a long period of time who can counter, literally who can counter his patience with the Chiefs' patience, I'm telling you, it's going to be a struggle for teams moving forward. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, next up, I'm going to give you guys my NFL playoff divisional round weekend predictions. First off, in the in the NFC, I got the loss. I, I have the Los Angeles Rams knocking off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's just as simple as this, in my opinion. If Tristan Wharfs and Ryan Jensen don't play, more than likely Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen probably will play, but they will be banged up. This game is going to come down to Tampa's offensive line, in my opinion. If Tristan Wirfs is not able to play 
or he does play in this game and he gets nicked and he's and he's and he's knocked out of the game. Tam, uh, excuse me, the Rams offense, the Rams defensive line is going to just absolutely cause Tampa Bay fits. And in my opinion, I believe this game will come down to can can the Rams defensive line make Tom Brady and that Bucks offense uncomfortable. And when and not only that, when the Rams get the ball back on offense, can the Rams put up points? I believe that they can, and I believe that that the Rams defense will will cause Tom Brady and the Bucks offense problems. And I believe the Rams win this game over Tampa. 33 to 24. Next up, the San Francisco 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. In my opinion, this game is going to come down to can the, can the San Francisco 49ers main, uh, continue to maintain their physicality against the Green Bay Packers? In my opinion, and this is just me, I went on the interweb, I went on the internet to try to look up the injury report to see if Nick Bosa and Fred Warner were going to play in this game. Fred Warner is more than likely going to play. Nick Bosa is still up in the air. If both of these men play, I got the 49ers winning this game because I just believe the 49ers are just too damn physical for Green Bay to handle. I believe that this game will come down to can the 49ers front four, can Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Samson Ebucam, Jordan Willis, Javon Kinlaw, can that front four of the 49ers get to Aaron Rodgers and slow down that Green Bay Packers offense? Can the 49ers on offense, can Jimmy Garoppolo avoid making that crucial mistake in this game? And can he can he make those crucial, crucial throws late in the game or at crucial moments in the first half where where if the 49ers win this game, we can look back at that throw that Jimmy G made in the first half or or beginning of the second half that kept that drive alive. In my opinion, I believe the 49ers win this game. And remember and also remember this too. The last two times the 49ers have had the number one seed or Aaron Rodgers won the NFL MVP award, the last time both of those things happened, the Green Bay Packers did not make it to the Super Bowl. I believe that trend will continue. The 49ers win this game, and they beat the 49ers 28-24. In the AFC, I believe, and this is just my opinion, I believe the Tennessee Titans will be too much for the Cincinnati Bengals. I believe this will be kind of an offensive shootout, but but not really. I believe at some point Joe Burrow is probably going to get overwhelmed in this game. And with the return of Derrick Henry now, I believe the Tennessee Titans will run the hell out of the football. Ryan Tannehill is going to be in play action mode a lot in this game. And I believe that Cincinnati is going to be playing from behind for a good majority of this game. I believe the Tennessee Titans win this game 31 to 24 over Cincinnati. And I be- and and with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, in my opinion, the Chiefs win this game 37-31. to 31. I believe this game will simply come down to who has the ball last. Neither team can really run the football. Um, talking about Kansas City and Buffalo, neither team can really run the football. This game is going to simply come down to who has the ball last. And I believe that if Kansas City has the ball last, they're going to win this game. Kansas City wins this 
wins uh, wins over Buffalo, 37-31. to 31. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. The year 2008. Why do I bring up the year 2008? Because that is the year, just like this year, 14 years ago, where the Tennessee Titans ended up as the number one seed in the AFC. And we all know how that went. Kerry Collins as, Kerry Collins as, as a starting quarterback with the Tennessee Titans, veteran quarterback, been in the league a long time. Took the Carolina Panthers to the NFC Championship game. Took the New York Giants to the Super Bowl in 2000. Uh, Kerry Collins as, as the quarterback. Chris Johnson, Lindell White in the backfield. Both skate for the tight end position. Justin Gage at the wide receiver position. And then on the defensive side of the football with Tennessee, Kyle Vandenbosch, Albert Hainsworth, Javon Kurse at the defensive line positions. And Tennessee was the number one seed. But fast forward, we all know the Baltimore Ravens came into Nashville, knocked off the Tennessee Titans with Joe Flacco as the as a rookie quarterback, and Baltimore went on to play Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. But let's flip the script for a second, and let's not forget Chris Johnson got hurt in that game, in that 2008 AFC Divisional Playoff game. Chris Johnson got hurt in the first quarter of that game. But let's flip the script for a second. Let's say Chris Johnson still gets hurt. Let's say Tennessee still uh let's say Tennessee finds a way to win that game. Despite Chris Johnson getting hurt. If Tennessee finds a way to win that game despite Chris Johnson getting hurt, then that means that Pittsburgh would come to Tennessee and host the Titans in the AFC Championship game. If Chris Johnson is still injured at that time, and Tennessee hosts Pittsburgh. Does Chris Johnson play in that game? And if he and if he plays in that game, does Tennessee beat Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game? How would Tennessee's offense have matched up against that Steelers defense? Does Tennessee win that game? And if they win that game, they they more than likely go on to Super Bowl Forty Three and play Arizona. Do they beat Arizona in the Super Bowl? We will never, ever, ever know about this stuff. If Tennessee beats Baltimore in that divisional playoff game and they go on to play Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game, do they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers? And does Chris Johnson play in that game with this ankle injury? Would he have would he have healed up in enough time to where he plays in that to where he plays in that AFC title game against Pittsburgh? We will never ever know the answer to that question. That's why this is what if. But thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins. Thank you all for tuning in. I really, really appreciate you for listening. If you all would like to follow me on social media, I'm not really big on social media now as I as I was in my early 20s. But it is what it is. We all grow. We all kind of grow out of certain things. But if you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Instagram at Quiet Soul. 24 again that's quiet soul 24 q u i e t s o u l 24 and you can follow me on facebook at jared dawkins j a r e d dawkins d a w k i n s 
Thank you for tuning in, everybody. I hope you enjoy NFL Divisional Playoff Weekend as I, as, as I know I will. Thank you for listening. I'm out. Peace.